Welcome back to the Evidence for Faith courses with Michael Lane. If you are enjoying our content and would like to hear more courses just like this one, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org give. And while you are on the website, make sure to check out our other events and bookings. Our next big event is the Marine Biology Adventure Course for ages 14 and up. This introductory level marine biology course includes a variety of hands-on experiences and close encounters with God's creation. This is one of the most budget-friendly marine biology programs in the country and the only one with a core Christian foundation. To find out more about this program, visit evidenceforfaith.org marinebiology or check the events tab on the website. You can find these links and more in the description below. Thank you for listening and enjoy the course. Hi, and welcome to Evidence for Faith. It's your host, Michael Lane. So glad you're joining me today as we're getting into the first deep lesson on this new series that I'm doing on Abide in Me. This is a phenomenal series. I love this. I've taught this a number of times at different places, and I just absolutely love this passage. And being a biologist, it has a lot of biology in it, a lot of botany and things, um, horticulture and things like this. But I want to... Um, just get into this again and, and remind you, um, if you heard the introduction on this, if not, let me just bring you up to speed. This is the last discourse that Jesus has with his disciples before his death on the cross. It's found in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And in this first lesson, I'm just calling it Abide in God. Let's take a look at what this, this passage contains. What is Jesus telling us in his one of his last chances to speak to his disciples before his death. What does he say? So let's first of all go to prayer and ask God to bless this time. Father God, we thank you for being the wonderful God you are. We thank you for your word, and we just ask now that you would open up your word to us. May your spirit do the teaching and teach us something that will deepen our relationship with you and help us as we grow in our relationship with you. So please bless us as we go through this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. John 15, verses 1 through 11, out of the English Standard Version, reads, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my works abide, words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. In this passage, Jesus uses the phrase, abide in me, often. <laughs> you probably got tired of me saying it as I was reading this. In fact, the word abide appears 10 times in this very short paragraph. And since this was written originally in Greek, let's examine what the Greek word is that is this key word in this paragraph. What, what is the word abide in Greek and what's its meaning? Well, the word abide in Greek is the word meno. Meno. And just as a like dictionary definition, if you were to look it up in a Greek dictionary, it means remain with, or it can mean to dwell with. That's it. I mean, it's very simple. There's nothing really special or hard to understand about the Greek word meno. And uh, meno is just to remain with or to dwell with. Now, being that Jesus is using this word <clears throat> 10 times in one paragraph, it obviously has some major significance to this final lesson that he's telling his disciples, and actually he's telling us also, because John writes this down for us to know this. To abide with someone, let's just get to this right now, to the root part of this. To abide with someone, we must first come to them. Doesn't that make sense? And in this text, Jesus is saying to abide in me. Now, that requires that we are already present with him. Do you understand? To abide with someone, to dwell with them, means you have to be present with them. So to abide in me means that you're already with that person, that you're in company with that person, that you're dwelling with that person so you can remain with that person. Jesus was telling his disciples to abide or to remain in him, with him, and he was speaking to them, in fact, in person as he gave them this message. He was right there with them. So now for us to abide or to remain in Christ means, what does this mean? It means we first must, must come to Christ in a relationship. It didn't mean in just presence alone. That's not what Christ is talking about here. He's talking about a relationship, to be present in a relationship with him. That means we first, though, must have a relationship with him if we are going to abide with him. Now, we all live in relationships. As a biologist, I worked a lot with um, organisms in symbiotic relationships, you know, mutualisms, uh, uh, synergisms, uh, commensalisms, uh, parasitism, et cetera, et cetera. There's relationships between organisms and things. As a biologist, I, I see that and I study that. Well, we all live in relationships also. A relationship is simply just really, I mean, just look at what relationship is. It's a connection between two or more things. That's what a relationship is. It can be something that's physical. It can be also something that is embodied. For instance, I have a relationship with my wife, Denise. Um, you may have a relationship with your wife if you're married. Maybe you have a relationship with a boyfriend. Maybe you have a relationship with your mom or your dad, a brother, 
you can have a relationship with your sister. You can have a relationship with friends. Matter of fact, you can even have a relationship with your boss. Yeah, it's true. It's just that you're having some type of a connection between the two entities. That's what it is. Now, did you see in the passage what happens to those who don't remain with God? Let's look back at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Now, that doesn't sound like fun. That doesn't sound like pleasurable. Nope, don't think I like that. I don't want to be in that type of situation. Hope you don't either. That You wouldn't want to be in a situation like that. My hope and desire is that none of you here will ever experience that type of, of condition, um, being gathered together to be burned and destroyed, because it's the word withers. It says uh, branch and withers. That means death. And um, they're gathered then, and they're burned. You can see a symbolism here having to do with hell. So why does God sound so mean here? When I've, when I've read this passage before, and I've taught this at, at different churches or in youth groups or, or whatever, people have asked me sometimes right here, they'll, they'll say if, if, you know, if they can raise their hands and if it's a small grouping and stuff, why does God sound so mean here? Why would he do such a terrible thing? Well, let me explain this. It is not that God wants to send people to hell. His desire is that all people would come to know him and remain in him. And he even says this. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, we read, This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you go back to the book of Genesis, we were created to be in a relationship with a holy God. It's actually a mutualism. A mutualism is where, in biology, where two organisms uh, are connecting with each other and having a relationship of some sort, and in both cases, they benefit. That's a mutualism. This is a mutualism. Though God doesn't need us in any form, he didn't need to create us, but he did it. And the thing is, he gets glorified by us, and he created angels to, to glorify him and stuff like this. He didn't have needs, so he doesn't have anything like that. And we get a benefit because we get to have a relationship, a personal relationship with a holy God. But the problem is that relationship got messed up in chapter 3 of Genesis, and we chose and still choose to this day to disobey God and sin. Why do we do this? Because Sin is something that God can't, can't tolerate because he's perfectly holy. He can't have sin in a relationship with him. You cannot have that type of thing. And even though we were created to be in a holy relationship with God, we chose poorly and we sin. And let's face it, one reason we do it, I mean, I'm just going to be frank. I'll just say it straight out, the truth. Sin, many times, is fun. It is. It's fun. But, and I mean but, it brings a terrible consequence. It has an extremely high price tag. Now those, I don't want you to sit and dwell on sins um, of your past and, and things that you've done wrong, but just think about it um, briefly here for a moment. When you do sin, you know the guilt, the shame that often comes afterwards? That's part of the price you're going to pay. That's a small part of it. But it does bring guilt and shame. 
afterwards. But what it really does too is it separates us from holy God. It damages our relationship. And because God is the standard of holiness, he cannot have sin in his presence. You see, that's our problem. That's our problem. All of us, all of us are full of sin. And we'd like to get rid of our sin. We would like to live a holy life and be perfect. Some people are perfectionists and drives them themselves crazy because they can't be perfect. We have a problem with sin. We have to get rid of our sins. But the problem is we can't do anything by ourselves because the price, uh, the price for committing even one sin, even just one sin, the penalty is death. That's why I say sin comes with a pretty high price tag. The price tag for sinning is death. It says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages, or the price, if you will, of sin is death. But we are so fortunate because God loves us. God loves us. Go back and look at John 15, verses 9 through 11 here. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, my friends, God sent his son Jesus to die in our place on the cross. He took our sins to the cross. All the sins we have committed, he took to the cross with him. Now, we only have to accept his plan, his gift, and it's a free gift. We commonly, in Christianity, call it grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. And it's free. It's totally free. Let me ask you, did you ever get a free gift card? You ever get one? Somebody ever hand you a free gift card? You just go up to the counter, you pick up whatever it says that you know you can have for free, put it on the counter, and you just hand them the card, and then you just walk out of the store with it. When when I um, was teaching on a marine biology trip a number of years ago, I wanted to teach on grace, and so I made little gift cards. Actually, I had Charlotte, who's our assistant here. Um, make a bunch of these gift cards. And on one side, it said marine biology, because this was the marine biology trip. And on the other side, it said, this is good for a free drink at the store. Now, the hotel we stayed at at that time had a small little grocery store in it. And they had cans of mucho mango and, you know, cans of soda and stuff too. But mucho mango was like the official drink um, that Arizona tea, mucho mango, is the official drink of our marine biology trip. And so um, kids were often, you know, buying that. Well, I thought, what a great way to teach about grace and the free gift of God. And so I gave them, each one of the, of the kids, on the first day we were there, the first day we got to the, the Florida Keys and set up in our, our marine biology um, classes and, and uh, the classroom and the lab and everything at the hotel, I handed each one of the students one of these cards. And I said, this is for a free drink anytime you want it. You can go to the store and you can get it. Now, a couple of kids actually asked, well, who pays for it? I said, I paid for it. Don't worry about it. You don't have to 
do anything. All you got to do is just take it in there. It's a free gift card. And so the students were going down into the store throughout the time, and they would get a can of mucho mango or something and put it on the counter. They didn't have to. They, some of them told me they were a little nervous at first, like if it was going to work or not, but it did. They put the can on there. The gal behind the counter says, you know, uh, be a dollar. They handed them the gift card, which I had already arranged with the owner of the store um, that I was paying for this. And you just keep the card and then I'll settle up when it's all done. I will take care of all of this. And so um, the student just handed the card to them and they said, thank you. And that was it. The student can walk off now with their drink. Do you see how this works? That's grace. What did the student have to do? Did they have to pay for it? No. Did they have to go out and earn something from me to do it? No. I gave it to them freely out of grace on the very first day before I even got to know some of the students, I'm handing them this. It goes back where I got the idea of doing this is back when I used to teach school back in the um, 80s and the 90s. Um, and even um, one year in 2000, I taught in Northwoods up here in an emergency for a term. But when I used to teach, I would give each one of my students a personal uh, personnel sheet. And it was confidential, and they would write certain things. I would ask certain things to get to know my students so I could teach them better. Well, I would have on there, when is your birthday? And they would write their birthday, the date on it. And then I asked them, what is your favorite? I had questions like, what's your favorite soda? What's your favorite you know, TV show? What's your favorite um, meal? Uh, what's your favorite restaurant? I had questions like this, but I also had, you know, what's your favorite soda uh, or drink? And what's your favorite candy? And they would write these things. I kept it in a file. And I looked at these all the time. And I sorted them. So when a student um, came to school and it was their birthday, I always thought it was a bummer having to go to the school on your birthday. Because my birthday was in July. So I never had to go to school on my birthday. But students having to go to school on their birthday, I don't know. I just sort of thought that was a bummer. And the least I could do, I wanted to give them something. So I, I would buy them a can of their favorite soda or their favorite candy. And I would sit there. For instance, there was a girl I remember back in the 1990s, early 1990s, I was teaching in Illinois. Her name was Mary. Mary's favorite candy, she wasn't so much of a soda drinker, but her favorite candy were chocolate-covered cherries. And she says, I just love these, she told me um, on this little sheet. Well, when it came her birthday, I handed her, when she came into the room, this, there was a box of chocolate-covered cherries sitting there on her desk. And she came in, she saw this, and like, oh my gosh, you know, why did you buy me this? And I said, it's your birthday. It's a bummer having to come to school on your birthday, so it's a little gift for you. And she was really touched by that. And it deepened our relationship. And that was one reason I did this, too, was to get to know the students better. Um, but Mary did nothing to get this. None of these students on the marine biology trip or in my classroom on their birthdays had to do anything. I would have the gift just sitting there. All they had to do was redeem it. Just redeem it. Marine biology trip, they took the card to the store to redeem it. And they get their gift for free. Uh, in my classroom, all they had to do was just pick up the can of soda or drink and or the candy that I had for them. And that was it. They just had to redeem it. They didn't pay the price. I paid it. God has given us a free gift card. It's called grace. 
God's gift card. The value of it is eternal life. And you don't pay for it. You don't work to earn it or anything. God paid for it through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. As we said in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But did you catch that? It says the free gift. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. But how are we saved? By grace. It goes on to read, this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. It's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift to have your sins removed. You can't do it. You can't pay that price. It's too high. But God can, and he did it. So getting this gift card, if you will, it leads to a relationship with God. Both do something. God did the work of sending Jesus to die for you. All you have to do is redeem it. Just accept it. You believe and trust in Jesus as your Lord. Confess your sins. You know, you repent, but you just accept it. You're not working for this. You don't have to pay anything. You just accept it and trust him that this gift card that he gives us is capable of doing what it says, and it can buy you eternal life. As I said, on the marine biology trip, some of the students, when they got the card, never saw something like this before, never had a teacher. They weren't expecting it. And a couple of kids, when they went into the store, like on the first day even, they went in there to try it, and they put a can of mucho mango out, and then they handed them, you know, they got told it's a dollar, and then they handed them the gift card. You could see in the expression of their face that they, they were wondering, is this really going to work? And the clerk behind the counter, who was the owner of the store, said, okay, thank you. Take your can and go. And because it's just stood there. No, they didn't have to do anything. They just received. Salvation is like that. Jesus Christ has paid the price for us. We don't have to do any work. God doesn't love us more if we do better. God loves you to the ultimate already, and that he sent his son to die for you. Have you accepted the free gift card? If not, I, I ask you now, what's holding you back? How about doing it now? It's so simple. In most cases, it's just a prayer. It's not magic words. You just say, yes, Lord, I do realize I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. I believe Jesus did die for me, and I believe that he is capable of taking my sins away. Please, I want to trust you and believe in you as my Lord and Savior. It's not magic words, but if you really do believe in your heart what you just said, God will fulfill his promise. And what's more, you get another gift. The Holy Spirit is added to you now, and you become a new creation. And what do you do? You do nothing except redeem it. You accept it. Father God, we thank you so much for this wonderful gift that you've given us. And we just ask, Lord, that your spirit just grow inside of us and help us 
through the process of sanctification, becoming more and more like you as we continue to grow in a deep relationship with you. So help us and guide us, Lord, through this series. And and Lord, um, I pray that anyone who's listening, everyone who's listening, has accepted this free gift of grace from you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have today asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, I would love to hear from you. Please contact us at Evidence for Faith. Evidence for Faith is, is not a ministry where we charge for things. It's a free ministry because God's grace is free. This ministry is free, but we still have bills to pay and salaries to pay. We need to supply those, those things, and we ask for help from people like you, uh, listeners like you. Um, and if you would be feeling that the Holy Spirit is telling you to help support us, we would greatly in, um, uh, encourage you to do that, and we'd love to hear from you. Or if you just have comments or questions, please contact us at evidenceforfaith.org on our website. So thank you for joining me. And until we meet again, take care. May God bless. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you to our donors who make this program possible. You can help us produce the next course by becoming a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give or use the links in the description. Don't forget to leave a comment a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.